You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. so long. Live from the Peter Kropko podcasting studio, Phil Rockner and Kevin McKinnon are here talking all things triathlon for the first time in 2023. Kevin, howdy. Hey, good morning, Phil. It is um, oh dark 30 here and a nice uh, beer hour for you. So <laughs> you're, you're way ahead in terms of uh, being able to be awake on this one. Well, that's correct. Uh, of course, for those of you who might be new to this uh, experience, Kevin does his work from Canada. I do mine from Australia. It's uh, We're recording this on Wednesday night Australian time, which is uh, just before nine o'clock, which means Kevin is somewhere in bleary-eyed land, I need more coffee kind of work. Definitely going to be running out of coffee. And I can't wait for you to start complaining about how cold it's been uh, in Australia or something. No, well, actually, it's your summer, right? So no, we did all right this summer. I think we uh, the peak of summer's kind of hit. We uh, we had nice weather. Water temperature in the ocean, though, Kevin, is still uh, what I would refer to as um, light wetsuit wearing weather down here, which is great. So we've still got plenty of warm water, and uh, and the tourists have all gone home. So uh, we're all pretty happy down here at the moment. Oh, that is, I'm so happy for you. I was down in uh, northern New York State and Vermont uh, Thursday, Friday, and through the weekend. And uh, Friday and Saturday was a balmy minus 29, minus 30. And uh, with the wind chills, they actually had to close the ski hills for a couple of days. It was uh, so nutty cold, like minus 50s with the wind chills. So, uh, yeah. I wish I could be complaining about having to wear a light wetsuit in the water. <laughs> well, we've probably got an. I reckon we've probably got another month before it all starts to turn. Um, but uh, at the moment, there are zero complaints down here. Uh, and Kevin, did you uh, have yourself a nice break, given that you travelled fourteen thousand million miles last year throughout the triathlon world? Yeah, it's um, it, it has been really nice. Had a long block uh, at home, and yeah, not. Not a whole lot uh, coming up for a bit on the travel front, so yeah, it's it had it has been a good break. Um, so nice to be home for a bit. Well, it's been also a good break for a lot of the athletes as well. Some of the racing are now starting to uh, wind up. We had a bit of cycle racing out here, a bit of bike racing, which was interesting. Uh, watching the nationals, the Cadell Evans race, Tour Down Under. So cycling's been alive and well here. Triathlon kicked off down here. Uh, with the Tasmanian 70.3, which you might get to a little bit later on watching that one. A uh, couple of good winners there. Uh, but it's now just starting to starting to find its feet a bit, Kevin, as people are now starting to turn their attention back to, to this sport. Absolutely. Things, it has been crazy, all of the news that uh, we've had here at Triathlon Magazine over the last week. Um, just uh, a lot of a lot of crazy, I don't know, crazy things. Things are definitely heating up for sure. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, not sure if we're ready to start talking about this, but um, I found it very interesting to uh, see the the money list uh, yep. that Torsten Roddy puts together. Uh, Torsten Roddy from, um, from Tri-Rating uh, always does a great job with all the stats. And it was just fascinating to see uh, the numbers and... Um, 
as you as you sort of mentioned in our chat before we started, uh, the the numbers are a joke compared to what other sports make um, or the other you know sort of big names. We don't have any multi million dollar earners, uh, but we have a bunch of people in the six figures. So uh, feels like. Um, well, and a lot of that has just been driven by the PTO um, over the last few years. They, the the money they're kicking in is making a huge difference if you're a pro triathlete right now. Yeah, and look, I I, I want to qualify that. I mean, when you look at anything, the world the world sporting uh, landscape at the moment, let's be honest, is run by the soccer soccer rules in money. Um, there's nothing can compete against that. The NBA, the NFL, the NHL, any other acronym you want to throw at me, just seems at the moment to really um, be in their dust. Those, uh, some of those Premier League soccer players and the Italian league, and then there's uh, you know whatever other league you want to jump to. Um, there's millions involved. However, to qualify that, Kevin, isn't it nice to see uh, the money actually coming in for our triathletes and to watch what? Because you and I sort of know those dark days when, you know, you'd go and win an Ironman and win four grand um, and there would be, you know, not much incentive at all to do what people had uh, busted their ass to do. So it is nice, isn't it? We saw uh, your beautiful uh, publication, of course, and um, you know, doing some work on this. And of course, while the rest of the triathlon world sleeps, Kevin sits there punching out articles. But um, <laughs> Triathlon Magazine certainly uh, is doing some work on that. And you guys uncovered a few things, and you were talking about the prize money, which was interesting, I thought. But um, as yeah, you said, as I said, grabbed a lot or pretty much all of that. I was just sort of doing some analysis based on uh, Torsten's numbers. Yep. I certainly don't want to take any credit for that. But yeah, it was, you know, um, the thing that I found very interesting. Um, so about $15 million total in prize money handed out last year at different triathlon events. So, you know, that's broken down between um, basically the PTO events, Ironman, uh, Challenge. And for some reason, Torsten threw in Clash with Challenge. Uh, I guess they are sort of combined um, and they do go to the same thing. But um, and then you had uh, Super League. Uh, and then independent events, right? And so um, of that 15 million total, five and a half, over five and a half came from the PTO. Yeah. And then you've got um, in and around 5 million offered by Ironman, uh, World Triathlon, 1.9, just under 2 million, Challenge, 811,000 uh, and change uh, Super League actually just under a million nine hundred eighty seven thousand. So uh, there's you know some good money on that front, uh, and then all of the different independent events seven hundred ninety one thousand. So um, you know the PTO is a game changer, right? Like you've got over a third of the total money in in the sport right now. Uh, Christian Blumenfeld um, won two Ironman World Championships last year. He won in. St. George and uh, the a full distance, the 2021 Ironman World Championship, and then he won the 70.3 Worlds, and he still made more money from PTO than he did from Ironman last year. Uh, but he tops the um, prize money list of 2022 with uh, $491,700. So, but that's, that's prize money, of course, isn't it? So we are also looking at whatever he's getting paid for whatever he's using. Yeah, and you know, and he's Olympic champ, he's Ironman champ. Uh, so hopefully 
he's got some really good endorsement deals going as well. And so, yeah, hopefully making, making, uh, you know, quite a decent salary there. Gustav Eden, um, 416,755. So, um, you know, the, the two Norwegians doing well. Um, and then I think it was, uh, was it Ashley gentle? Uh, yeah. So Ashley gentle was third overall in the standings, the top woman, $351,368. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, she made 14 grand from Ironman. So, you know, PTO was the, the lion's share of how she made all of her money. Danielle Reef. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I know she's like, she did obviously with her PTO wins, that was where it all came from. And man, gosh, she timed it well. Um, isn't it funny though, that what was that race? The really, the, the race that used to get um, all the cash years ago that Greg Bennett used to win all the time. What was that one? Um, was it high V or? Yes, the High V Championship, and I think there was a hundred grand uh, top prize at that one, and uh, I think. Um, but that uh, was Craig, a Craig Alexander won that. Uh, that went for five or five or six or seven years. Yeah, but one off in the one off in the in the world, wasn't it? Like there wasn't just that was yes. that was that. You, you would look at this sort of, you know, a graph line that sort of hummed pretty low to the surface and then you'd have one spike with that race and maybe a couple of other ones that were offering something of you know 20 grand or something like that but it it, it really is a game changer the pto have come in and completely made everybody well starting to make people uh, other race directions obviously with super league and um with world triathlon etc have to start to look at what their model is otherwise they'll lose athletes yeah world triathlon pretty pretty consistent you know they so the athletes there um, yes, their prize money is decent. Um, and, uh, you know, cause Flora Duffy and, and Georgia Taylor Brown and, and, um, uh, let's see who else would have been up in the standings, the sort of total money standings, um, would have been, um, uh, some of the guys, uh, help me out here. Wild, uh, Hayden Wild. There we go. Um, he was you know, sort of in and around, but I guess a lot of his money came from super league as well. Yeah. But yeah, it used to be, um, you know, world triathlon was where a lot of these guys made decent money. Um, but it's just not in the same ballpark now as the, as what's going on with the distance stuff. Thanks to the PTO. Which so. is really interesting. I was talking about something. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, the, the, um, the NFL has got flag football heading to the Olympics at the moment and it's you know non-contact it's you know pulling flags off you know belts that people are wearing and it's kind of a bit faster version of watching say an nfl game now the reason i'm bringing this up is because they've got this bright shiny new toy and they're all about it nfl australia is driving everyone nuts with the crap that they keep putting out on social media about this the point i'm trying to make is, is triathlon's in this very same boat you know, triathlon had this bright, shiny new toy, the Olympic distance, and they shaved the distances to create the Olympic distance to fit it into two hours of television in year 2000. They had this great, shiny toy. But, you know, long course triathlon has long been the, you know, the sort of the stayed part of the, the you know, with Hawaiian Ironman obviously coming online in the 70s into the 80s. And then you've got, you know, those sorts of, you know, um, other races sort of chipping in. But Long course has been the, I guess the the bread and butter for lots of athletes, and still is, and it's still 
in my mind, the sort of more higher end of triathlon. Um, and that's not taking away from, you know, world triathlon, et cetera, but you know, the big long course boys and girls are doing the, the, the big numbers and the big money and, and it's right there. And do you think that's, you know, I know, you know, NFL's now at the moment got this shiny toy, but it's always going to go back to that original thing that got everybody into that flag football is the, the original sport. Do we think that that's the same sort of scenario here um, in triathlon where endurance longer course racing is still, you know, it's winning in the earnings, but is it still the the, the beating heart of the sport? Yeah. Um, very, very good question. Yeah. To me, and I think this leads into um, very nicely into our, our conversation that we should be having about the whole Nice Kona deal. Um, yep. So, yeah, you know, and this is what's going to be to me very interesting over the next few years. So you've got the PTO in with tons of money. Um, you know, they're, they're expanding to four events this year. They had hoped to do five, but unfortunately can't put on the uh, PTO open um, uh, Canadian Open, and so that's got to be delayed to to next year. So they got four events going on this year. They're putting out you know tons of money, making a big difference. But at the end of the day, um, Konus or the Ironman World Championship remains kind of the biggie uh, for many of the athletes, right? Um, so. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much more of an influence uh, the PTO makes. And, and they've made it abundantly clear what their goal is. They, they want to get the best long-distance athletes racing against each other uh, four, five, six times a year, right? The same as uh, tennis. It's, you know, make, it's you know, no surprise that the, the top gun at the, the PTO now is a former uh, tennis executive so you know this is the the way they they see the world and so as that develops more and more what does that do to the Ironman world championship and I think you are 100% right for many people that is the the beating heart of the sport that's you know that what gets so many people motivated and drives them and and all that so when Ironman announces you know, hey, guys, we cannot do two days in Kona. They've made it abundantly clear that they're not ready for that. So we've got to move one of these championships. And so we're going to move the men to Nice next September, and all of the women are going to compete in Kona. And then we're going to switch it out every year. Um, whew, that set a lot of people on fire, right? Like, Yeah, you know, it did. And I, I – geez, I – I understand it, right? Like I get it. I'm not this guy who just likes to, you know, take long, long runs and 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 short shots off people. But I, oh, I really struggle. I really struggle with Kona going to two days because I understand what they're doing. I completely get it. You know, the there was a, you know, we heard it every year. We heard it every year for 20 years. You know, the age group races getting um, compacted and getting, you know, messing with the the women's race and. The, there was something magical about one day in Kona. There really was. There was something about that mass start, that chaotic energy from when the cannon scared the shit out of you on the pier. And, you know, like all that stuff made the day what it was and it made this epic athletic adventure. You know, then they kind of went to the two days and now they're kind of like every second year. And I just, 
oh, they've got the greatest product in the triathlon world and they're literally just skinning it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand too, you know, and you were there, so you probably have a lot better understanding than I do, Kevin, about what was happening on the ground there on that, on that two day, you know, what was going on? What was the conversations people were having? And not even that, it's just, it's the athletes and it's the locals and there's a lot to consider, I know, but yeah, it really has gone from that one, you know, breathtaking day to this. Yeah, no, like this is, if Iron Man wasn't a business, then all of this changes, right? But, you know, Iron Man, and then, you know, Les McDonald used to say this to me all the time. Les McDonald, the founder of uh, what is now World Triathlon, you know, got the ITU started back in the 80s. Uh, Canadian, thank you. Uh, you, you Aussies can thank us once again. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, um, but, uh, you know, and, and I could never, you know, back when I worked for Iron Man, he would always throw this out at me. It makes no sense that a private corporation owns a world championship. And I'd say, yeah, Les, you're 100% right. But that's the way it is. And that's not ever going to change. So, um, and so, yeah, in many ways, it makes no sense that that's the way it is, but, uh, that's what we inherited in our sport. So we've got to, uh, we've got to kind of move on and, and live with it. So, um, so Ironman puts on more and more events, you know, they're trying to make money and they're seeing that it's getting nutty difficult to try and qualify for, uh, for the world championship. Right. Um, so uh, that, you know, they, they want to make this more accessible. They need to have more spots. Uh, there's only limited space that they can do it on the course and then the pier and all that kind of stuff. So got to go to two days. Um, it was <clears throat> just, you know, craziness uh, in terms of the traffic jams and, you know, the number of people in Kona and, and the locals just said, yeah, this is too much. So... But Kevin, um, can I can I ask you this one though? Like, so you and I agree. I one hundred percent agree. We, you and I could start a company tomorrow and put on a world title. It's, it's mental, right? It doesn't make any sense. But here is where we are. So, if that's the case, then it's not a world title. We've said this for, for. I've been saying this for a decade or longer. It's not a world title, right? It's a world title for about fifty percent of the field. That's it. Fifty percent of the field. 30% of the field got some roll down. There are some freebies in there as well, you know, but there's 50% of people I reckon who are probably, maybe 60 are probably racing for a world title. If the fact that you can go to a race, get that roll down spot, not based on time, based on availability, based on, you know, the money that the bloke next to you or the woman next to you has that, you know, maybe they don't want their spot, et cetera. You know, because it's not sort of a based on time, it's kind of like anybody shows up. So surely, Surely then, you know, the simple answer is just to, you know, put the numbers down and keep it there. Yeah, but that doesn't work for your business deal, right? Like part of what drives so many people, you know, and I've said this, this is challenge's biggest um, challenge, pardon the, pardon yeah. the pun. Um, you know, when you roll into the office on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, maybe, um, and everyone says, hey, did you do that Ironman thing uh, on the weekend? And, yeah, it's, it's like, did, was it the Hawaii one? And no, but it was a qualifier for it. Um, 
you know, people go, oh, well, that's really cool. But if you have to say, well, I did the same distance as that one, but it's a different series and it's not actually called Iron Man, people kind of go, oh, okay, and move on, right? It just doesn't have that same panache. Um, and, uh, yeah, I get so- that too. I get that too. But at the same time, and I, I we're, we're, we are for once paddling the same canoe here, my friend. What I, <laughs> what my concern is, is that, you know, like it doesn't have to, Hawaii doesn't have to make the shit tons of money if around the world racing does enough to sustain it. You know, you, not that you're ever looking to take a loss because in a business sense, that's mad. But from a naming rights, from a television's rights, from a, you know, pure spectacle, you know, if they lost X amount of athletes to make the course workable again, then surely that in the showcase is enough and made it more about, you know, a real world championship. I don't know. Like it, it just. Yeah. But I, here you're, you're missing out on the one deal then. Right. So if you keep moving that down, so let's say you've, you've got 30 qualifying spots. I can't remember what it works out to, to one per age category. Um, but I feel like that's 30 ish, 30, um, so that's sort of the minimum uh, that you can do. Um, so that limits, like you can't have a big uh, championship event um, like the North American Championship, the Asian Championship, where you're offering more spots because you just don't have room. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that limits the number of qualifying races you can have. It becomes and, a cycle, um, doesn't it? So um, so yeah, it's it's just a. Bottom line, we're going to two days. Live with it. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, like there's, I, I totally get, 100% get, you know, it, it, to me it was, um, hey, I raced in Kona. I, that's as Bob Babbitt always talks about. It's like a little badge you have or a little card you have in your back pocket. Yep. I'm really glad my wife got to, has had the chance to race there three three times already and we'll be back for a fourth because she won her age category last year you know that's that's really cool it is that, and uh, it, i noticed she put up. her i noticed she made it to your website too not looking at any um <laughs> bias there my friend just throwing the uh but hey i put my i put my bias right in the story made that 100 percent clear <laughs> luckily enough some other folks uh helped picked and and um and i did my best to uh you know, well, basically, we handed out the award to the two Ironman World Championship age group winners from Canada. So, um, yeah, felt like uh, I, I, I hopefully am not into too much trouble. And yeah, on that it's front. interesting, though, isn't it, that we're, you know, it's kind of like we've been let down slowly. I kind of feel like they're, you know, Ironman will do whatever Ironman wants, right? They don't, they'll just do whatever what, what Ironman ever wants to do. And that's fine. It's a, as you said, it's a private company, but it, it's. I kind of feel like we've been let down, and it's like, okay, this year we're going to a couple of days, and then you know they've conditioned us to break down what was the the day of racing, and now it's kind of like anything goes, and now that's the thin point of the wedge. But it, it would be really, really. Um, I don't know. You win a world title in Nice, a world title is a world title. You'd never knock it back. It's amazing. But it does it have the same, you know, if you're standing there the following year winning a world title as a, you know, in your, you know, as a male in a, um, at Kona, are you, is it, a, is it a better world title? Is the Nice well, world and, title and a Kmart world title? I, and I think we totally saw that uh, with the, I think they called it the Global Triathlon Awards that they did in Nice. Oh, those those uh, things are A stupid. few weeks back. 
And, um, you know, hey, not to take anything away from Gustav Eden, guy's an amazing athlete. Uh, but, you know, Triathlon Magazine, we named uh, Christian Blumenfeld our Triathlete of the Year. Um, the Global Triathlon Awards named Gustav. And I, you know, I, you know, as I said, Gustav, great year, amazing athlete. Uh, he won in Kona. Um, but I don't know how that compares to, um, you know, Christian winning, winning in St. George, uh, winning the 70.3 Worlds in St. George. Yes, he came third um, in, uh, in Kona. Yes, he came second at uh, the PTO Canadian Open. But, whew. Uh, guy had pretty amazing year, and uh, to me, it was the panache of Kona that made the difference, right? Hundred percent. Bang on there, winning Kona, winning St. George. People notice Kona. I agree. I agree. And to be honest, mate, those global triathlon awards, whatever they were, that those really give me a spell. (laughs) What didn't it give? I didn't give him a second's thought. They were rubbish. You weren't mentioned at all. They're rubbish. There we go. Um, and they, <laughs> I, they neglected to mention you either. So I, Yeah, I think, I'm sure yeah. they're queuing up to give me something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I think I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in your same boat. I think I've managed to annoy so many people in the sport now that uh, yeah, those aren't coming my way anytime soon. Oh, to be honest, though, like who are they to give out those awards and make it all a big deal? Come on, man. Like it's just – can we stop being amateur hour and actually, you know, I don't know. Like get a panel of awesome riders and athletes and stuff and do something properly versus <laughs> anyway. Hey, if I've got a soul thicker than 40 mils, I can't wear it. I'm man anymore. Yeah. Big news on the shoe front. No, none of the uh, super shoes. So uh, the shoes that Gustav Eden wore, uh, the on uh, cloud boom echo three, it was a prototype that he was wearing that was, I've seen some people think it, or some people think they were as thick as 50 mils. Um, anyway, yeah, that triathlon at world triathlon has followed suit, uh, or they announced that a little while back. And then Ironman just announced that they're going to follow suit with the world triathlon rules. So, yep. Can't be, uh, deeper than 40 mils. Um, I, you know, I think we absolutely need to follow, uh, this all comes from world athletics, right? So, they put their rules in to try and stop the the shoe wars from happening, and and um, this is a very good step. Why do they now? I don't know. This is a question without notice, so I, w- I won't put you on the spot too much. But you know, in the UCI, there's really strict bike regulations about what they can and can't do. There's sock regulate, like the UCI love to regulate everything. You know, um, how is there less? There's more sort of regulation around running, but less around bikes. Yeah, um, yeah, very good question on that front. But you know, I guess to to keep the tri bike, um, we've always had that. Well, that's that's what's defined uh, triathlon bikes, right? Is the the arrow arrow position and having those Scott DH bars that I'm old enough to remember. Still got them. Still got them in my oh, shed. Oh, I, I gave mine away on one of my bikes. I had, I can't remember. I think the, the number on mine were like in the 60s. Um, so my friend Andrew McNaughton was the first pro yep. to win on the Scott DH bars. Um, he won the Crawfish Man, beat Mike Pig. And 
um, Mike Pig got on the phone to uh, Boone Lennon <laughs> right after that race and said, I need some of those bars. Because he was and writing he um, profile. Him, him and Dave Scott writing profiles, weren't they? Uh, nope. So in, in the beginning, um, there was uh, just the Scott DH. Boone Lennon actually sent, this is a great story. Boone Lennon sent a pair to uh, Dave Scott when he was developing them and uh, forgot to send the pads. And so uh, Dave Scott was riding them without any sort of padding <laughs> just on his forearms and went, these are crap. They're so uncomfortable. And uh, just put them in his basement and ignored them. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so I think eventually when Profile came out, uh, Dave went with those. But initially, like that, you know, that first year uh, that they came out, um, you know, I called Boone and he got me on the list and got me a pair relatively early just because of my association with Andrew. Uh, but yeah, that we were all just scrambling to, uh, to get a set of those. So, you know, that's always defined, uh, defined bikes. So we've been a lot more open on that front. So not quite as strict. Um, and it's mostly just in terms of the, the depth of the, the tubing, right? Like how wide they can be, uh, versus the UCI rules. But, um, yeah, and I, and I don't see that changing dramatically. Um, and the bike companies, I think, really like it because they can develop stuff. They know triathletes are going to spend more money than than uh, the roadies. So mm. it just seems odd, isn't it, that the World Athletics is kind of driving the the new rule changes with carbon plates and you know sole thickness, etc. But you know the UCI has no effect on what any wacky triathlete can chart with. Well, to a point, yeah, we haven't seen quite full, like, uh, I think the days of the, I can't even remember the name of that bike, but it was just solid. I don't know if you remember, it was like a sail, just a solid carbon fiber chunk that you sat on. Yeah. Uh, So we've got away from that and it's, you know, we still sort of have the, uh, the, the shape of the bike, but. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic what people are are doing to it. Which do I you think remember? Is great. Do you remember the Kirk Precision bike? Hi, huh, got me on that one. That thing had a fucking cable as one of its <laughs> down tubes. Oh, I do remember that. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, what that, a piece that, of crap. that was sort of crazy. <laughs> and no one's like, "Ooh, dramatically good. Let's get one." Yeah, it's crazy town. But I so. <laughs> but to come back, I do think I do think this is good because things were like in the marathon world. Like, yeah, I did a story on the super shoes and the carbon plates a few years ago, right? And it was just absolutely insane what those shoes did to all the marathon running records. And um, you know, just to see what people are doing on the run now, like think about this: Patrick Langa ran two thirty. Yeah. Um, at Ironman Israel last November, right? Like it is getting absolutely nuts. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away. Patrick Langa, you know, the guy's one of the best runners our sport has ever seen uh, until until last um, October held the run course record in Kona. Um, and one more aside, what a class act. He come, When Patrick broke that record, he came across the line uh, Mark Allen's there holding the tape and, uh, or yeah, I guess that was the year he came second or third and Patrick apologized for, for breaking yeah. his record. Um, yeah. but yeah, so these guys are amazing runners. Uh, but now you're putting on equipment 
that uh, just allows them to do even more amazing things. And uh, we just need to make sure it doesn't get totally out of hand. Yeah. I mean, look, regulation to some point, I just, you know, as per usual, I'm just looking at it from a, this is a weird kind of thing uh, point of view. Moving on though, because we uh, got a few couple more things to chug on through. If I explain to me why the arena games has got any appeal to your favorite person, uh, Lionel Sanders um, and fellow Canadian, why would he be involved in this? And why would anyone be involved in it? Yeah, so Arena Games coming to Montreal uh, here in Canada. Yay! Yeah, um, countries and, get uh, So, you know, to me, um, uh, this is uh, like a great move by Arena Games because, to be honest, they were struggling, I think, to get any of the sort of big names. You don't see any of the big name or, uh, guys from Europe coming over. I'm sure they're kind of going, yeah, we're not going to Montreal in February. Like, yeah. you know, we're at our training camps, we're at whatever. Um, and so this is a, a great PR move by Arena Games. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's Lionel. He's like, he just brings, there's a reason this guy is the most popular uh, YouTube personality in our sport, right? Like he just brings... Uh, a ton of excitement to it all. And, you know, yesterday the story I posted is basically plans on just going so hard he's going to end up puking after each of the three legs. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, the guy can push himself to the limit. Um, and I think that's just his goal. He just wants to come in, have a little hammer fest. I'm sure he's making uh, making a little bit of an appearance fee. And, um, and he's talked about working on his speed. This will give him a good opportunity to see that. Uh, mm. But uh, for me, it's going to be fascinating just how far back he is at the end of the swim. You know, like he's hoping to swim a PB of 225 or so. Like, you know, he's going to be up against guys who swim in the low two minutes for sure, in and around two minutes. Yeah. Um, so giving up 25 seconds or maybe 20 seconds to a bunch of guys um, and then only having a 4K bike and a 1K run to make up that time, that'll be interesting. So, um, and can you do that three times? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, I, oof, anyway, it's interesting. Traditionally, every summer, though, uh, in this part of the world, a couple of things happen. We kick off the Australian season. We did that with uh, 70.3. Uh, Tasmanian, which we'll talk about in a sec, but also traditionally, Kevin, every year we get the press release. Roth announces stacked men's field. Like it's almost a tradition that the Roth uh, media crew are like, okay, it's this time. Let's throw it out there. It is, uh, you know, always, as you say, sort of classic um, and Roth, you know, they inevitably come up with a super strong field, um, especially, yeah, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens on the women's front. That, they're announcing that tomorrow. But, uh, yep, you know, Magnus Ditlef missed Jan Ferdano's record, which used to be the world best uh, from their 735 and change, I think it is. Uh, missed that by nine seconds last year. Uh, so he's back to defend, but you got... 
Oh, you got Patrick Lange, Sam Laidlow, you know, the big the big name in the sport right now after his second place and bike course record in Kona. Um, and then Ben Canute, you know, uh, second at the 70.3 Worlds and third in Arizona last year. So, uh, oh, Joe Skipper, there's a guy who sort of sneaks in. He's had a bunch of or a couple of top five performances in Kona over the years, had that uh Great day at the sub seven. Yes, he didn't beat Christian Blumenfeld, but he certainly, uh, you know, gave him a run for his money. So, yeah, mm. same old, same old in, uh, <laughs> in Rome. It certainly is. Um, and while we do get talking about uh, racing, 70.3 Tasmania, which if you've never been at Tasmania, um, it is a nice place. <laughs> Be careful what I say here. <laughs> no, Tassie's great. Um, it's stunning. It's there are p- places of Tasmania that are absolutely stunning. It's a gorgeous place. Uh, raced there once, I reckon, when I was pretending to be an athlete. Um, Luke Bell went down there and won a half Ironman down there, or travelled down with Luke. Um, and a little-known John Van Wees, who uh, I, people might remember. Um, yeah, and, I remember John Van Wees. Uh, he, I roomed with John Van Wees that that year, and I got to say, Kevin, I, <laughs> he sat up the whole night quoting Al Pacino, and it was <laughs> just the most fucking bizarre night of just random. Like, you know, then you'd get really get really quiet, and he'd go, "Hey Phil, what do you think about this?" And it'd be something really deep, and you'd be like, "Oh, John, I don't know." Um, and then, "Hey Phil." And then he'd pull out some kind of random. It was funny as hell. He raced to a top three in the pros, and I raced to a very ordinary whatever. But um, yeah, great place. No surprises who won this one, right? Um, Ellie Soldhouse is a class act anywhere in the world, and Jacob Bertwistle is also someone who is now dipping the toe into the 70.3 water. That was his debut. Josh Amberger, nice to see him coming back. He's not in race shape. Um, His race reports, however, are the best things you'll read. He is is seriously – I mean, I, I I had a little bit when we had the first off the bike years ago and we ran across him so many times and he was always gave us his time. He was always a good good guy, but he was always giving you something worthwhile. Sitting down with him um, was never disappointing and um, proved it again with his um, race report. So very humorous. If you get a chance, get on to Josh. Um, but back to Jacob Whistle, Kevin, you've seen him a number of times in that world triathlon uh, genre, you know, he's legit. His run leg is amazing. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I watched him bring Australia up to win the, uh, the world mixed relay championship in Hamburg one year, just the, his, his last 400 scorched. It was just unbelievable. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it's, I, I think this is a great move. I think Jake, has um, sometimes struggled to main, be in that lead pack at the uh, World Triathlon events. Um, when he is, he's a, a real threat. And but a lot of times, it just for some reason doesn't end up in there. Um, and so, to me, yeah, the seventy point three and possibly eventually Ironman stuff, he's going to be a factor uh, for sure uh, in this longer course stuff. And and PTO distance, that 100K distance, poof, 
perfect yeah. for him as well. So that's the thing, now, isn't it? Is gonna, he's going to make some money uh, mm. in 2023. Yeah, I agree. These these guys and and girls coming into this position now are just starting to look over the fence and seeing, you know, Ashley Gentle tearing it up and things like that, and going, "Hang on, I might want a piece of that." But Ali Salthouse too shouldn't be underestimated at any race she goes to, and she was super strong, unwell, but still managed to get. Yeah, the, no, uh, yeah. She was uh, under the weather and going into that, it sounded like, and, uh, you know, sort of figured out how to still win. And, uh, but, uh, you know, some great racing. There were four of them, uh, you know, Grace Thack, Penny Slater. I can't remember if, I think it was maybe Chloe Hartnett was the other one. All four of them off the bike within 30 seconds of each other. So, um, you know, yeah, very, very competitive race there um, that uh, Ellie was able to, you know, show her stuff. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how her season goes this year. Mm. And the last thing we'll probably touch on before we uh, end this and you can get more coffee into you is um, Wanaka. Yeah. You know, I, and I wanted to ask you, I challenge Wanaka. It's a uh, half distance. Uh, they've got, I think, I think I just saw on release. They've got 70 pros coming down. I think Jake Burt whistle will be in that one. Um, as well i uh, haven't sort of had a good look I'll, I'll do a preview on the site but um yeah d- does challenge wanaka lose its panache when it just goes to the 70.3 or does it gain more or 70.3 i should say the half iron man um or the half distance no, i don't think so i, I look p- p- pros will want to go and race um, yeah. and I don't think, and it's not, it's not too big a departure from what, you know, what is the traditional. So, um, no, I don't think so. Wanaka's, if you've, have you ever been there, Kevin? I have not. And I really need to get down. It's just, I, everybody tells me it's just so beautiful down oh, there. It's brilliant. And, uh, Do you know, yeah. um, Kevin, Tasmania and New Zealand are very similar in both, um, when you get off the plane and they say, welcome to Tasmania or welcome to Wanaka, it's, you know, 1974. Um, outside of that, um, it's just beautiful, you know, and Wanaka's awesome. There's a lot of microbreweries. So if you enjoy that part of your life, then um, get involved. Um, but it really is a, uh, a good spot and, and it's a tough, it's a tough day. The roads are not as smooth as, you know, you would expect. Um, but, you know, it, it creates it creates a little bit of drama around the place, but it is gorgeous and it's very similar sort of that Taupo uh, style of road and 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 landscape. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, no, certainly, yeah, and and I think you are right. Um, when they they sort of got rid of the half, that opened the door for a lot of folks who were um, now looking at doing a double Ironman uh, New Zealand and Wanaka, right? A few weeks apart, and you got the half leading into it, so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm look. I'm really looking forward to the racing, uh, racing down there. So it will be, uh, as you would expect this time of the year, everyone wants to get an early win. So it's all good. And Kevin, that means we are back, baby, which we've got news to be talking about next week, which we won't be saying much about the minute, but there are things going to be flying around. So keep your eyes. I I, I think I'm allowed to give a tease that we will be talking about the new PTO, uh, standings and, and all that. They're, they will be announcing it next week and uh, uh, we're going to be able to be uh, some of the first to uh, to be able to chat about that. So I'm looking forward to uh, your take on it all. 
I'm sure that the uh, everyone else is waiting with bated breath. Triathlon Magazine is where you want to go. Kevin McKinnon runs that with an iron fist. He is the man, and you should follow him because he writes the world of triathlon very well. Um, and check in to where he is and check into the uh, all that information about new rankings, et cetera, because uh, it will be an interesting uh, departure from what has already uh, been laid down. Kevin, we always appreciate your work, my friend. Nice catching up with you after a little bit of a hiatus, and we'll uh, catch you in a week. I I am looking forward to it, and it is sure great to uh, to be back, and uh, great to chat with you as always. Thanks very much for listening to us. If you spent the, if you're still listening to us now, we appreciate you, and uh, we hope that wherever you are training, uh, it's going well, or wherever you're listening to us, uh, it's all going well for you. We'll catch you in a week's time. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.